Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is Hayley Connor, Head of People and Learning at Brewhouse and Kitchen and co-founder of the wonderful Beers and Peers. Coming up in today's show, Hayley highlights the number one reason for going into housekeeping. I also did time in housekeeping and it's the only ever time I've had abs in my life. Phil fluffs his lines on the easiest of cliches. Learn to run. Uh, don't learn to walk before you can run. Get it right. And Haley says what we're all thinking. I just want to reopen now and go to the pub. All that and a whole lot more as Haley talks us through her career and journey to date. This was one of the first chats we conducted in lockdown, so please forgive any minor drops in audio as we continue to find our feet with the tech. Don't forget to give us a like and a share, and we hope you enjoy. Good day and welcome to the next Hospitality Meets podcast with me, your host, Phil Street. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Hayley Connor, who is the Head of People and Learning at Brewhouse and Kitchen, if I've got that right. You do. Um, <laughs> uh, but I'm sure she'll, she'll take us into a lot more depth on that. In any case, Hayley, welcome to the show. Hello. So um, maybe you could kick things off for us by going all the way back to the beginning of your career, even, I guess, kind of university and the, and the like, and just walk us through your career and choices so far. Sure. Um, I guess it started really young for me. Cause, um, my dad ran pubs. Um, and actually, my mum also was a restaurateur at quite quite a young age. So she had her own restaurant at 21. Wow. So I my family were pretty much torn between either going into the hospitality industry or going into acting and producing film. Of course, um, and television. They do go hand in hand, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I think uh, so my dad was an actor and my granddad actually was an actor. He was in um, the Carry On films. And right. um, yeah, pretty, pretty cool. My claim to fame, I love it. Which uh, was he, uh, one of the main characters? He was, um, yeah, he was in 18 of them. His name was Kenneth Connor. Okay. He, I mean, Google him, you would recognise him. Yeah. He wasn't, you know, one of the main people, but he was definitely on, I guess, fifth on the credits whenever whenever you looked at it. He also did Hello, Hello and those sorts of comedies. Right. But when my dad wasn't acting, he was working in hospitality. And I think that's quite a theme out there. A lot of um, creatives do end up in hospitality. It's such a people-focused industry and, you know, you are very much on stage. Anyway, I was rubbish. So we went to, we all went to theatre school and I just, I couldn't hold down an accent. I couldn't, um, <laughs> couldn't pretend I was anyone else other than myself for too long. Um, yeah. And I started work in the pub when I was 14 paid work before that it was very much collecting glasses for free for my dad but yeah I started working when I was 14 actually my parents were split up uh, so I worked in a pub really close to my mum's house and I also worked at my dad's pub starting off in the kitchens pot washing which right. I loved um, I didn't have a dishwasher in those days I literally had to wash everything by hand Right. Um, I had two sinks and <laughs> um, had to go pretty fast at everything. But it was it was really fun. And I sort of worked my way up in the kitchen from there, going on to the prep and the salad section, on to the grills. And it was a really fun job that I had and I fell in love with it. Right. Um, so the 
pub I worked with close to my mum's, that was real pub grub food. So jacket potatoes, ham, egg and chips, gammon steak. And it was great. It was actually my favourite because I preferred eating that food. My dad's was a bit more... I guess posh um they had a French chef in there so um I learned a lot of the culinary traditional culinary skills that you do in France yep. um, and my stepmom was also a trained chef so I started off very much kitchen focused and worked my way up yep. Um when I was 17 I got myself onto the bar probably should have been 18 but I was 17 <laughs> And I absolutely loved that front of house side of it. And um, I think that's where I decided I wanted to stay. Whilst I could turn my hand to the kitchen at any point, jump in on, on busy days, my passion became being out in front, especially with all the regulars. And that's where I decided to, to push my career. I think when I was at school, I wasn't, I was, I was average at school um, at best not particularly academic I did well in my GCSEs and um, I was sort of a good student by the time it got to A levels I think I probably found boys and <laughs> socializing a little bit too much um relate actually not to the the boys section but the um it was totally the uh, it's the same for me I we in Scotland we did uh, higher levels yeah GCSEs and I found that quite yeah, easy yeah uh, I didn't really have to put in a lot of effort and then we went into uh, sorry it wasn't hires it was um, standard grades and then it was the hires uh, which was the A-level equivalent where you did have to study a little bit more to kind of learn uh, or get deeper learning uh, that's when yeah. I, I discovered sport and females <laughs> so I understand where you're coming from it's a really, you know, it's a really important time of your life, isn't it? But also there's so many other distractions. I was, yeah. you know, very much not interested in ac- academia. And unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, I did four subjects at A-level. I did chemistry, biology, performing arts and English literature. And it just shows that I really didn't have a clue where I wanted to go or what I wanted to do. Right. Um, just because of the mix of subjects so obviously the performing arts coming from my family background I felt like oh you know I've practiced that for eight years never really got anywhere of it but let me just do a subject in it yeah. English literature was probably I was really interested in books and reading and I've always been a bit of a reader so that that worked well and then the sciences I was like oh maybe I'll be a nurse or a doctor and I was all right at science too so I kind of went down that route not really knowing um what ended up happening is I would bunk off school to go and work in the pub um <laughs> which it's interesting I remember my mum coming to lunch at the pub thinking I was at school once and there I was behind the bar and I got a severe telling off and grounded for a week but (laughs) that's kind of how I ended up choosing my career in hospitality was you know hang on a minute I really love doing this yeah um I was earning good money through tips and um through the basic wage at that time and I think I could continue doing this um, and my mum sort of pushed me in the direction of well go to uni and go and study it so I did so I went to Bournemouth University and I studied I originally studied events management and then realized actually hospitality management was truly what I wanted to do right and I worked all the way through uni so I did quite a few different 
job started off working for a mobile company so my first position out of hospitality if you like as soon as I got there and I was just selling mobiles in the atrium but as soon as I guess we gave all of the students a mobile and they bought a mobile there wasn't anything to do for 18 months right. we signed up the entire of the uni so I ended up getting a bar job at Barmy in Bournemouth which was brilliant it was very much a fun bar at that time we would be allowed to dance on the bar so we'd all get up and do some cheesy dance oh, wow like a it was it wasn't quite coyote ugly um unfortunately for the the punters (laughs) it was like we do the wetsuit dance and the macarena and things like that so it was it was just fun and it was you know definitely a student it was marketed I guess as students so the, the drinks were fairly cheap and it was a very simple offering so very much a bit in just bottled bar uh bottled uh, VKs and alcopops over the bar right. but it really allowed me to I guess practice and I worked my way up into the management team there and um, really helped me practice sales driving activities putting on different events music nights comedy nights all those sorts of things that I didn't necessarily do in the local pubs where I grew up yep. and it it was a really quite fun time again it sort of clashed with the whole uni academia thing I was working till you know the 4am 5am in the morning and then having lectures at 9am so that was you know sometimes I didn't go to those lectures but down the academia academia, uh, forgetting in my way but you know I did actually push through I think there was one point just going from first year to second year I was do I really need to do this degree? Do I, you know, do I step out of it? Right. Um, that's actually when I switched into hospitality. My mum again was like, nope, you're going to do your degree. You're going to, you're going to get through. So all the way through second year, I worked, um, but I was also studying licensed retail, which I don't think the university do that now, but my lecturer was called um, Robin Shepherd, funny enough. Um, not, and not the- it's not the he is the Robin Shepherd in my eyes but no he was he was brilliant he's an ex-publican he now I think he's now a lecturer at Portsmouth University but you know I was working in Barmy whilst also I guess studying what we were doing and you know right down to Dot Taken and you know the lectures were really practical and I could apply them to what I was doing at the time in my job and I think that's what made me stick with it was because I could I could see that relevance some of the critical thinking subjects that you have to do at uni the research methods they just I just couldn't see how they related to my life but um, actually some of the lectures that Robin did really helped me stick with with my degree my third year was a placement year and that's when I ended up at the BIC in Bournemouth working for a company called Convex Leisure at the time and it was contract catering and it was the hardest I've ever worked in my life I thought pub work and bar work were long hours but contract catering definitely beats that and my first conference I went into in my first week was the local government conference it was absolutely huge I think it was 10,000 delegates and I had to apply a really different skill set by that point which was 
basically organization, delegation and managing large teams. So, you know, we would have events on where we'd have a 90 person team in that I'd have to learn how to how to manage 90 people at one point, really look at an operation from quite a high level of how we're going to you know, deliver 1200 mils in a couple of hours yep. and also working on that client side as well. So having, I guess, that client there on the other side of the event um, who I'd be liaising with um, and making sure everything was going to plan. That was a really huge learning curve for me. I ended up staying there for about two and a half years, so right the way through finishing uni and then coming out the other side of it. So it was a really good time we actually did tennis events as well so I went to Eastbourne Tennis and that I worked that which was really good so ran the fine dining section of the Eastbourne Tennis event um two years in a row did Shoreham Air Festival which was loads of fun so I got to move around with that company quite a bit and uh the team actually are still pretty much together I think apart from I've I've stepped away and a couple of other people have stepped away but it was definitely where I probably learnt most of my, I guess, organisation skills, which are really, really important in hospitality and now yeah. in HR. It also helped me with the HR side as well, because I, it was whilst bar me, I was in a managerial role. This was at much, a much larger scale. So I had to manage people on, you know, teams of 90. I think we had 200 people on our books at one point. Right. Um, and that, that involved a lot of the HR skill set. So finished my degree whilst working that job. I got two one in the end, which was just I just scraped degree because I didn't do too well in my second year. Well, it's still a decent return for someone who doesn't uh, yeah. do naturally well at uh, academia. No, totally. Um, and I ended up getting onto the future leader scheme at Intercontinental Hotel Group, which was a great surprise to me and some of my lecturers, to be honest, <laughs> because I wasn't the shining, the shining star. But I guess what I did have was a lot of experience on the operational side of hospitality, which I think is really important and what um, eventually, you know, helped me, I guess, win that job with Intercontinental Hotel Group. Yeah. Um, whilst I wasn't the academic star, I was a grafter and I was really practical, had that practical experience. I got onto the IHG grad scheme and my choice of pathways, so you had different pathways you could pick, was HR. So most of my project work that I did during those, that graduate programme was HR related and whereas placed the HR team very much took me under their wing I did lots of note-taking in my first year there um, but it was an operational scheme so you would go around different departments I did front of house I'd never done a front of house role before on reception which was really I really enjoyed that part of it it was it was very different and I guess you get into the first real uh steps of accounting when you're you're on reception you're having to post credits to different accounts and and bill people so that was a really interesting side I ended up being there for quite a period of time actually because I had that food and beverage background 
previously. I did time in the reservations department, looking at revenue um, and how you maximize revenue. And I also did time in housekeeping. And it's the only ever time I've had abs in my life was when I was there. Really? Yeah, because the exercise is insane. You do get really fit doing it. And right. I think we had we had to clean 12 bedrooms. And you have 21 minutes to clean each bedroom. So, yeah, it, I learned how to make a bed, which is which has been a great skill to take through life. Absolutely. Not that I make it every morning, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, a really great programme um, that I actually had put together. Uh, we also had some high-level projects that we would work on as well, so we'd get to engage with quite senior stakeholders across the business, exposing us to strategy and to a higher level um, type roles yeah. and um, my project was on values and cultural training at that time so I became quite passionate about that. In my second year of that scheme I've moved into London so I was doing a placement in London and I ended up in conference and banqueting again right. which was which was wonderful I don't think I was learning anything new at that time but it was definitely something I felt comfortable with and enjoyed Um, and after three months I was asked to second into a head office role and that was in HR and it was a productivity project so we were looking at the productivity of teams and we were installing a time and attendance system for hospitality at that time right. and it was based out of Denham and again I, I, I'm I one of these people that never say no to an opportunity and I jumped on it and said absolutely yes I'll do it and it was brilliant we got to um, look at a project from I guess a rollout perspective of how you would roll this out over 60 sites and eventually all 4,000 sites that I actually have looking at how you'd roll out something in the UK versus internationally and what that would mean I had to put my project management skills to the test I had very senior stakeholders to manage and I was just a graduate at the time yeah and it was I suppose a really exciting time of my career unfortunately being the character I am I got a little bit bored about 18 months down the line (laughs) the project had sort of come to a bit of a pause things were ticking over and we were managing the day-to-day but we're waiting for different investment from different departments and sometimes that can move quite slowly in a big corporate and my, my eye got turned by an HR manager position and HR was always truly what I wanted to go to. And I think at that time, my title was HR project manager, right. like that. And I got the role at Antic, which was actually the first HR position they've ever had in, in that company. So I don't know, do you know Antic at all? No, explain what it is. <laughs> Antic London are the coolest pub company, I think that you will find and they take they they take a traditional pub buildings and make them into real community pubs um but they also um refurbish like old job centers and um, they did a library they oh, did wow. a post office and they also make those into pubs as well they're very wow. anti-corporation okay so that's why you don't really know 
who they are. They run pretty famous buildings like the Dog Star in Brixton, the Ballam's Bowls Club in Ballam, um, and they're known right. for doing really, really great pub food and having these really unique venues that you can you can go and hang out in. I think they are true, you know, real true publicans. Yeah. But you know, when I think you know, you have the anti anti-brands of this world out there um antic is the true anti-brand and they do not engage much in any sort of industry level activity if you like um which was right. different like clearly what it does work for them um yeah absolutely I th- they're about 50 sites strong now at the time when i was there we were about 30 they've had their challenges so they you know they work very much in the leased market they've got quite a few freeholds as well but parts of the business were very leasehold um heavy and that creates challenges in you know getting gazumped out of out of different buildings so we we went right. up and down in terms of how many sites we had but it's my first I guess solely HR role stepping out of operations officially into into a position where I was looking at you know everything being a real generalist and maybe I stepped into that role too early I'm not sure (laughs) I learned um, a hell of a lot very quickly so I was there for 18 months in total at the end of that 18 months I was like right I need to go and I need to have a boss in HR now because I've I've had to figure out a hell of a lot on my own in hindsight I think actually as a standalone HR person or an HR person in a small team you tend to be figuring out most stuff along the way anyway regardless of how much experience you have you know nothing ever replicates itself everything is always different and it's your knowledge of employment law that you really have to refer back to 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 make your decisions and influence your stakeholders but I I just I I didn't know that at the time and um I stepped into quite a big role a big generalist role and I thought right actually let's head over to (laughs) a bigger corporation again and try and get some more foundation in HR Antic was a really great posting for me and I think you know I'd love to go back one day because it was that much fun to work with them and they really do care for their people. So I went off to the restaurant group which I was placed in the coast to coast brand so that was the role that got advertised and what I applied for. I was actually the only HR and training advisor within the company so they had the HR team, which were very much looking at that employee relation. And then you have the training team. Coast to Coast wanted someone to look after all of it. I reported into the HR manager, Rebecca Meek, at the time, who is insanely good at her job. Taught me a lot um, during my time there. I was heavily focused on the learning and development side of the business, which was really good for me because my time at Antic had been quite I guess employee relations focus and looking at the generalist HR piece whereas going into coast to coast we really got to design the onboarding the induction the leadership programs and right from scratch because it was quite a new brand at the time and that you know I learned a hell of a lot from them I learned a lot about opening a restaurant as well the good way I think Antic we very much did three-day training and three-day opening and we just went for it uh, whereas you have right. three weeks with a TRG restaurant and um, from start to finish and they had 
you know it was a military operation they got that down to a T yeah. by the time I got there so I learned a hell of a lot from them I think towards the end of my TRG time things were wobbling quite substantially I'd taken on quite a few brands I had Joe's Kitchen, Garfunkel's and The Filling Station. Wow that's quite a broad yeah range. it was broad range it was a huge amount of restaurants I've done a little bit of work with concessions as well in the airport doing some I guess work on brand work on um they had taken some of the leisure brands into the airport that was interesting being supervised all the time because you were a visitor you had to have a supervision going to the toilet and all that sort of stuff um it was pretty insane but it was good fun and yeah the started to wobble and it very much was at the beginning of that restructure so they were looking at whether my role would become just training or just HR and I decided actually I really want to keep my skill set as generalist as possible because I want a head of people role so that was really key to me and it was at this point that Chris Gumbrell called me from Brewhouse and Kitchen so Chris actually going back to my uni days was one of the guest lecturers there and I met him through my university career right I did a project for him when he was at Convivial London pub all on marketing and the procurement of suppliers and we yeah we kept in contact all the way through I bumped into him at some of the alumni events that Bournemouth Uni runs yeah he picked up the phone, he gave me a call and go, I've got a job that you might be interested in. And we took it from there. And I and that's when I ended up being at Brewhouse and Kitchen. Right. So head of people. So started off as people and development manager. I stepped into the head of people role once we built the the business a bit and I had a team working with me. Yeah. And it's been amazing right from the very start and um, it's been a lot of hard work so I guess the first year and a half was very much rolling my sleeves up getting hands-on again they didn't have any sort of infrastructure at that time in terms of the HR piece they had contracts they had an employee handbook but it was putting the values in place it was writing the the handbook in you know from a brew house and kitchen perspective not having a generic one making sure our contracts are watertight putting in appraisal processes putting in flow hospitality as well so there was you know some sort of compliance training that that we would have there and really building everything right from job descriptions all the way through whilst opening sites and you know I was very much the trainer at the time so I would land on sites and be there for three weeks and um, training all the team and um, making sure they knew a hell of a lot about about beer and yeah. service and hospitality so it was lots and lots of fun but I think when you're working for a startup and a founder-led start startup, you have to be ready to do absolutely anything. Whether whether it's you know putting some marigolds on and washing up for a night or yeah. fixing a toilet seat. Back to your first ever role. Yeah, and that's the culture that's really been set from the beginning with um, Brewhouse and Kitchen. Is you know we're we're all very much able to work on the shop floor, work behind the bar run a beer masterclass run a gin masterclass and do what's needed and you know whilst we're bigger now and we have to 
look at things from a more strategic level yeah. I think that's a really important part so when we have a new manager join us we will spend a day with that manager on the shop floor or the pub floor and we reset the business with them so we go around and we make sure the seller is absolutely thick and fan uh, we get behind the bar and we clean all the shelves and make sure it's all organized the manager you know so the manager can see actually this is a business support team that is here to muck in and get stuff done and we're with you rather than issuing instructions from an ivy tower which doesn't exist yeah they so were very much in the business and we you know we try and work from our pubs much as possible the the head office is the quietest or the business support center I should say is the quietest place in the company and I think that's kind of what it should be really there isn't you know there's probably about three people in there at any one time apart from when we have our our big company meetings and that kind of brings me to where I am today I guess last year um I co-founded Beers and Peers which is a network for um people people so hr learning and development recruiters we focus that very much on smes again going back to that standalone hr manager that has to deal with a hell of a lot and influence a lot of stakeholders but may not necessarily have people to bounce things off yeah and that's where it all started you know we've actually had big companies come along to that as well um and it works really nicely it's a really nice group of people Um, And actually a very passionate group of people. A lot of them have come from operations and stepped into HR roles and, you know, they just want to make a difference. And from that, that's where the Hospitality Proud campaign came from. So it's been quite, quite popular. Yeah. I would say in the past past few months, Um, it's continuing to go. I think we were going to put end date on it. And now we're like, let's just keep, keep going. And, you know, that was created, I guess, as a collaborative effort in the industry from the beers and peers community to go actually we've all got the same problems we've all got the same challenges yeah we're all trying to solve them individually but you know when we group together and we lead from an employer perspective we can get a lot done and we can make a lot of impact and it was you know let's just leave our own agendas at the door for five minutes and let's talk about how we can all work together and make things easier for each other And that's you know the very beginning of something, but I think it's going to grow into to something pretty transformational. I hope for for the industry. I I completely agree with you. I, I think I hadn't heard of it until I re met you at uh, an event a couple of months ago, yeah. where you were you were speaking at the event, and people were really beginning to get behind the hospitality crowd message and I think the the thing for me about that was that that's exactly the type of things that I see all the time is that there are there's so many uh, individually good things that go on but a lot of the time we don't come together and and utilize the common goal which is you know to make the the industry as good as it as it can be and you can only do that together but I think also the the proud message if you like is is the important one for me because you know, there's so many people that love and live and breathe this this industry, but that's not necessarily the message that gets out to the wider world. Mm. And I think we need to be an, an awful lot better at shouting about how much good stuff goes on. Um, yeah. In the 
so I salute you for for getting that off the ground. I think it's a really wonderful thing. Yeah, I mean, it's been a team effort from everyone that comes to beers and peers, really. But it's definitely, I think, I think the aim eventually is to get people not in the industry going, I'm off, you know, I'm hospitality proud. I'm proud of our hospitality industry. Yeah. Whilst, you know, the current situation has been really difficult for us as an industry, I do think people are really thinking, oh, I really value my local pub or I really value that restaurant that I visited every single week and now it's taken away. I'm hoping, you know, that that feeling of I miss it and I value will, you'll see much more appreciation from the general public into what we do. Yeah, I suppose it's the the concept of you you don't really know what you've got till it's gone Mm. and how much of a part of your life something is without you even kind of realising it because it's just kind of in your natural day-to-day routine. So yeah, Yeah. I I, I think equally just from a collaboration perspective, I I can already see a a really a massive shift uh, into the collaborative mindset. There's a lot of businesses coming together to you know, fix issues of the day you know the, the um yeah depending on when you're listening to this podcast the issue of the day at the moment is coronavirus led mm-hmm. and they've got uh, there's just so many good things going on it's you can't really list them in a conversation like this because you, you know you'd be here for for 10 minutes just doing that but the ones that, that just come immediately to mind are, are what leon's done i mean they've effectively re you know reimagined their business for this time and i just I'm just in awe of these guys because uh, as a business owner myself, I've had this sort of, you go through every emotion when, you, when you're leading a business through something like this. Mm. I don't know where the energy and the um, enthusiasm comes from that quickly. I feel like I'm only getting to that point now, but I have to just kind of take my hat off to these guys because... Um, well, it's just phenomenal. Yeah, it absolutely is. I, you know, so I think everyone has a different makeup of their business as well, and I think the industry as a whole should be really proud of itself. You know, some of the smaller businesses that may not have the infrastructure to do something like that, they, you know, they close. A lot of them close their doors early and said, you know, what we're going to protect, you know, the team, the guests, and the people, and you know, to do that, we're just going to close our doors. Yeah. And they did it well before that lockdown came in. So yeah, there's so many good stories out there and you know, the the yummy pubs, you know, serving their local community, Redness Leisure, there's there's amazing things ongoing throughout different companies, whether it's externally or internally. I think Honest Burger's engagement program is really impressive as well. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of innovation. I think it goes back to that attitude of hospitality people in general, which is just can do even in the toughest situations, we do try and push ourselves through pivot where we can yeah. and make the most of the situation. Yeah, and, and also I think uh, there's just a, it's an industry with a mountain of empathy and I, I think the, the capability mm. of people and businesses to, to put themselves in the shoes of other humans yeah. is where the great ideas come from. And that's that's definitely what I've seen over this, this period. Yes, I definitely agree with that. So anyway, we digress slightly <laughs> from your story, but we are kind of present day, so so that's yep. fine. The thing I love about how you ended up getting your, your job at Brew House and Kitchen is that that fits firmly, or certainly sounds like it fits firmly, into the uh, it's not what you know, it's who you know category, because that's a, an old contact that yeah. you've, you know, you've clearly kept in, close enough 
to you know, and they they clearly saw something in you when you when you met all the way back, uh, however many years ago it was. Yes, definitely. I think it's you know who you know and who you've built relationships with as well along along the way. So yeah, it's almost having an informal relationship with someone, which you know I think hospitality people do you know they can be quite informal and enjoy informal connections but keeping keeping your network within the industry can can get you quite far I guess yeah yeah so when was the the time if you can remember it where you you felt that HR is fundamentally what I want to get into um probably say I think it was during my time at the Bournemouth International Centre where my focus just was very much on managing a huge you know group of people and that's you know I I got into HR I guess naively because I wanted to to help people thinking back to that now actually is the manager role that is the one very much on the ground coaching training developing I run group training sessions but you know if you look to the team going who's most impacted your personal development a lot of the time that's always going to sit with your line manager or a mentor um, and hopefully some of the people I've mentored you know can say that about me but you know HR is a function isn't necessarily they're the influencers but they're not necessarily the per- people directly developing someone's career so you know I stepped into it I guess naively but I'm a strong believer in you pick something and you stick with it um, as long as you can until you you know you're definitely sure it's not the right thing for you to be doing yeah and I think I'm still figuring out HR as an occupation even though I've done it for nine years now um but it's it's hugely changing and it's the future of HR that makes me go yes 100% I'm going to stick with this yeah which is you know it's all about culture and being human and having human empathy and putting human empathy into business and very much partnering with all the departments so you know when marketing have a strategy you know I should be there to make sure that you know it's gonna relate to our team and it's going to be user friendly by our team yeah um, and they can go away and implement it and that's in the best interests of, of everyone really but yeah I think my journey with HR hasn't been an easy one by any means I went into it thinking it's this lovely fun fluffy occupation but realistically it's it's not quite quite like that it's a lot of hard work you have to make a lot of difficult decisions and you have to communicate some difficult news at times as well so that's been a real learning curve for me yeah well it sounds like you've just flung yourself into the deep end Uh, on a couple of occasions and you know um, let's be honest some of the best learning happens uh, in that kind of environment but equally I suppose it could have could have gone the other way if it was too consuming and you you were out of your depth yeah without the I suppose the resources to help get you past that then um, then it could have worked out very differently and I suppose it's these little moments in time that you know have a when you look back on you'll go wow um, I really did stretch myself at that point and and look at where you've got to now 
yeah I do I, ha I have those moments quite a lot I look back especially at my antic times I'm like wow like I really <laughs> I really did jump in there but, but somebody must have seen something in you because you weren't coming from a position of experience as it were in no. the sense that you didn't have a mountain of straight HR experience but somebody must have said oh, there's something in this human let's give it a go yeah I think resourcefulness is definitely where I have you know I'll never I'll always look to solve the problem in the best way possible and it doesn't stop me I don't necessarily panic at the unknown either which in nature I think is a real quality <laughs> because a lot of it can be unknown you know in the past few weeks we've been going through a totally unknown scenario and having to yeah. work our way through it you know I think with experience it gets easier and that's I guess where I'm at now is I feel at ease with a lot of the circumstances I come across even though they're never going to be exactly the same as the last I have enough yep. knowledge in me now to to move think through things and make sure that the business and the humans are getting the best result for them but yeah no it's interesting because it is an occupation that is fundamentally changing as well and a lot of the responsibilities for I guess day-to-day -day human matters are falling either to technology or to line managers now yeah because they're the ones having to input the data into the technology so that's it's changed a lot where you know absence management may sit or um some of the employee relation matters may sit and it's freeing hr up to really look at culture and the people experience and that's what excites me is because I think that's where organisations can really have a competitive advantage and make a difference when yeah. you have a really strong people strategy and talent strategy to move you through your scale and your growth. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think the, there's an awful lot of companies out there in any sector mm. who, who pay lip service to the, the culture piece and the values and, and all of these sorts of things, but then don't ever follow that through. Yes. And I think it's one of the things that I certainly haven't now seen you talk on stage uh, as well is that that really, really came through in what almost what drives you. That's just looking at from a very simple, you know, fleeting moment uh, that I that I remember taking in. But but yeah, I mean, you know, it's it, if if you're to get longevity out of something, mm. you need to get that piece nailed on. Yeah. And it's hard work as well, building a culture. I think I touched upon it in that talk I did. It's, you know, it's not easy and you've got moments that you're going to, you know, maybe you haven't lived your values today and you have to you have to check yourself on that because it's the intricacies yep. of what you do every single day which creates that culture. And, you know, through Hustle Kitchen, for example, that the day on the floor that we do with every single manager and the whole team come out of you know their support positions and they just work on the floor getting stuff done that's really a huge part of our culture and how we're seen by the team but it's a lot you know it's a lot of work at the same time and it's a lot of hard work and you have to you know put all of this stuff in but you've got to, you've got to have the resource and you've got to have I guess the the ambition to actually do it once you said you're going to do it yeah absolutely okay so a question I love to ask Everybody that, that comes on and has a chat, yep. over your career so far, tell me a funny story, <laughs> something that's amusing that's happened to you along the way. Um, 
There's so many. I think um, there are stories that in my early days, if I ever got an HR call saying that, I'd be like, oh my God, I can't believe that's happened. <laughs> but, you know, I've had, I've had my hair washed with mint sauce in the pub before, <laughs> just for fun. It was an initiation, yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing mint sauce out of your hair is not great. But I think one of the brightest and funniest moments I've had was at Antic. And we had had a bit of a tough year with a couple of things. And the founder, Anthony, was like, right, you know, that's, we're going to have a big party. It's an end of year party, which happens in March. Um, and um, it's instead of celebrating Christmas. So we created a pantomime and it involved all of the sort of business support team, a couple of the, the managers. In Antic, the design team were in-house as well. So they did all the set design. Anthony played Jack. We had um, the managing director as the buttons, the sidekick. Right. And I was the director and the scriptwriter uh, going back to my acting days. And we created this amazing pantomime, which was Jack and the Beanstalk, but also a little bit of an underlying story of what had happened in Antic that year. Right. And it was just brilliant. It was so funny and the team absolutely loved it. And it played a bit of tongue in cheek with some difficult stuff that had been ongoing. Yeah. And yeah, I think that was that was one of the highlights for me. Also, I just I'm a massive fan of seeing leaders in fancy dress costumes. <laughs> um our own CEO Chris Gumbrella at Briathan Kitchen last year on our um, menu launch got dressed as a chicken and walked the streets of Cardiff which was of course which was a lot of fun too I think in hospitality you just have those funny funny moments throughout yeah no I, absolutely I think everybody that I've asked that question to says exactly the same thing first off the bat which is yeah. there are too many to think of uh, <laughs> yeah. to think of one I didn't realise you you did the pantomime. You should get involved in the the springboard pantomime. Uh, you know, the problem I have is I can't sing and I can't act, but I'm fairly good back of house. <laughs> if they have any back of house roles, I'll be there. Need to support. Uh, absolutely, they're always looking, uh, <laughs> looking for. I'm, I'm lucky enough to have done the um the pantomime for the last two years. Yeah, I go and see it, and it's so good. It's brilliant. A wonderful experience. Yeah. Yeah, I I just re- recommend everyone to see it. So are you, can you act and dance then? I think that probably depends on who you speak to. <laughs> but um, re- regardless, I just, I love every minute of it. Even the kind of the buzz that you get from opening night and, you know, when you have this little moment in your brain where you think, what have you done? Why did you do it? Where, you know, you're just so nervous. and But then, you know, you remember that the cause that you're doing it for and the fact that everybody in the audience wants you to succeed and, it reminds you that um, it's uh, it's definitely worth putting yourself out there for for the greater good. Yeah. But um, great. Okay. Uh, I would normally I would I would ask something along the lines of the the greatest challenges that exist today, but I think that's uh, a fairly obvious one in the uh, in in the sense of what everybody's dealing with. Mm. So we'll maybe skip over that one. Best piece of advice you'd give yourself if you were starting out in your career again? Um, probably try and do a little bit better at school at best. I think, I think it would be what, you know, I don't know if I have any regrets, you know. Yeah, I think you, you, it sounds like you found your calling very early in the sense that you were 
you know, born into the industry, if you like, in inverted commas, but mm. you immediately kind of got on with it and you got on well with it. It wasn't something that came to you at a later stage. So in many ways, maybe you don't have any advice for yourself I think, um, um, because you're where you're meant to be. Quite potentially. I don't think, you know, I don't think I would do anything differently about starting over again. I think the piece of advice I can give myself in terms of how I, you know, how I've sometimes felt is don't be your worst critic and don't, yeah. you know, don't always over question yourself because that can sometimes create moments of not feeling confident and that imposter syndrome that is quite often there as well. And that, that can have you know putting doubt into your everyday life can can have negative effects on how you perform in a business mm. so I definitely have suffered from that I still suffer from that now and again and it's just you know keep keep your you know be sure of yourself and be as confident as you can be whilst also being measured in, in what you do yeah do you know, I, I think the uh, the imposter syndrome thing, I think a, a little bit of that is healthy. Mm. Just keep you humble. Yes. And realise that, you know, at whatever stage you get to in your career, you're never going to know everything. So once you kind of get comfortable with that, then, you know, just remind yourself that there's always something new to learn. And it, I mean, HR, the, the laws change frequently in any case, don't they? They, they evolve. Yeah. Um, all the time notwithstanding the the other impacts that then affect the business that then affect the HR function and mm. so on and so forth but I think if you ever you've got to have the self-confidence for sure yeah but if you ever think you've nailed it fully then I think that's very dangerous yeah I would agree with that actually that's some good advice there <laughs> I think it's also that you know, knowing there's always something new to learn and being okay with not knowing everything. I think that's something I, I struggled with early on, especially in my HR career where I was coming across new situations every day that, you know, yeah. I try and mask the fact I didn't know it. Whereas now it's, you know, I do know most of it, but it's still okay to go, actually, let me let me come back to you on that one because I don't, I don't know the answer. Um, yeah. And having the confidence to do that. Totally. I think that's also a, a cultural thing, though. I think if if the the business gives you the forum mm. to be that confident in yourself to say, "Look, I don't know the answer," yeah, then that's the, that's the place you need to be because you know we we all need to learn, we all need to make mistakes, and you know the learning comes from the mistakes half the time anyway. So if you're not, if our company is too focused on, well, you did that wrong, that's terrible, then you're never gonna be in a an environment where you feel comfortable enough to say look I'm gonna have to come back to you yeah uh, on that point totally okay so what would you say to somebody who was considering a career in hospitality and I feel like I know what the answer is going to be to this but do it (laughs) in your own words (laughs) I think get an operational grounding spend some time working your way through different positions and get an experience um in the kitchen out in front before stepping into management yeah. I think also stick with it because it is it's a lot of hard work and you know there are a lot of occupations out there now where you can work from home or you know you can be an influencer for example and you have a very flexible lifestyle and your your occupation is your lifestyle almost but I think hospitality 
itself gives you a real sense of belonging it gives you a real family you make your best friends in that career and you go and work with your best friends every single day I think people can leave it too early sometimes without pushing through the hard times and actually if you just push through some of you know that first supervisor role that first managerial role where you know you may find yourself getting calls on your days off because a boil is broken or something like that it it becomes so rewarding and fruitful once you've you know been in those managerial roles for a few years um it becomes a lot easier as well because you've you've seen a lot more things and you know some of the tricks and that's I guess that's my advice to people is just stick with it because it becomes a lot easier like any career to be honest it comes a lot easier once you've practiced it for quite quite a long period of time yeah it's funny people who have been tuning into this week in week out will will know that effectively I'm a walking cliche Mm. but the um the one that uh, that I guess kind of covers that is learn to run uh, don't learn to walk before you can run yeah get it right and it's it's so true I mean that there's an, an awful lot of people I think walk away from something before they've taken the learning from it and also coming back to your point on the the influencer there's not enough room for everybody to be an influencer no so you kind of have to it's like uh, I think it's it's the same situation in every generation there's always something that everybody wants to be and like when I one of the first things I wanted to be when I was a kid was a was a movie director mm. but not enough room to be a movie director and whilst if you shoot for your dreams then you know ultimately you can make them happen but you've also got to temper that with a bit of realism and that's that's the advice that I would give to people yeah that's yeah. Good, good advice I think um committing to the hospitality industry once you're in it and you're committed to it you can go wherever you want to go yeah it does mean a lot of hard work but I think people think that's just limited to hospitality whereas actually if you commit to any career in any any industry and you want to go as far as you can then it's going to be a lot of hard work it's not just hospitality that see that in yeah absolutely great okay well at this point I would normally ask what does the next year hold for you (laughs) but let's let's talk about it once we whenever it is that we get to the other side of this obviously there'll be a recovery moment but assuming uh, brew house and kitchen gets themselves back to a fairly normal situation what what are the plans or is it too early to tell I don't think I think you know yeah if we uh, skip I don't know how long it's going to be but skip the next period of time I think for us it's really looking at our spaces and um you know we've got a lot of freehold buildings with a lot of space and how can we use those to maximize the potential of each each building whether it's event spaces or hotels and that's been our our plan and from me from a people perspective being able to increase I guess the revenue of of each site allows for a nice full budget if you like yeah and whilst there would be new I guess technical skills to teach people on hotel management I guess my ambition for brew house and kitchen is to to truly become that best company to work for we're there I think we've never put ourselves forward for best companies there's still a lot of work I want to do on um, management development leadership development 
um, having career pathways that, you know, go into marketing, go into HR a bit more as well, and working on how you engage a team that's so geographically spread. And that's the biggest challenge I have at BNK is how much, you know, it's, it's not not easy to to run engagement events because we're so spread out. Yeah. And what this scenario has taught me is actually we can do it all virtually and we don't necessarily need to be traveling three hours up the road to run an engagement event or pulling people into London to run run something. We can we can do a lot of it um yeah. virtually. So that's again something I'll be working on is how can we use tech to to increase that face-to-face engagement that is so important in culture building. Beers and peers I think will continue to grow as well. So we've got quite a few plans. Hospitality impact is the working party that came out of Beers and Peers. Right. And that's the one that's running Hospitality Proud. Quite a few different um, campaigns that we want to run via that um, and actually create a bit of a toolkit for SMEs in the industry as well to utilise. So we'll be working on that in, you know, on the side. So, yeah, there's lots to be getting on with, (laughs) definitely, in the next year. Some of it will start now. Some of it will start once we're, we're back on our feet. Yeah. No, I, I think the, uh, I'm with you on the, the tech uh, element. Normally uh, for the, the podcast, I'd, I'd be meeting people and doing it that way. But, you know, you, you kind of adapt to the circumstances around you. Yeah, I think it's made us think, that, you know, actually, we can do it this way. And it's not whilst, you know, a face to face is always going to be amazing. We don't have to do that all the time. And, so, you know, I've spent maybe six hours a day traveling different places that probably could have been done virtually and I probably could have done that meeting or that training session three or four times with different people in the day and had far more productive outreach than you know traveling three hours on a sticky train or yeah. a tube absolutely it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be exciting I don't know. I don't know what we're thinking before. I think we're thinking actually it's cheating if we don't go three hours down the road to Bournemouth and deliver this session. Yeah. Whereas now I'm like, it's not cheating. It actually makes a lot of sense. And, you know, the team members that are parents or, you know, potentially at uni and can't get to that training session for whatever reason, they can sign in remotely and see it. Yeah. And it's, it just makes a hell of a lot more sense than what what we have been doing in the past. Yeah, another positive that's come out of this scenario. Yes, there is positives. Great. <laughs> I okay. just want to reopen now and go to the pub. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> everybody's dying for that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so if um, if people want to get in touch with you and learn more about what you're up to, how can they go about doing that? I am on Twitter, so at Hayley Connor, but the O's in Connor are zeros. Uh-huh. Um, LinkedIn as well. So you can find me on LinkedIn. Again, Hayley Connor, you can find me that way. Or I guess email. We do have a Beers and Peers Facebook group. So I'm, I'm on there quite regularly chatting to different people. Yeah. So if you are a Facebook user, then Beers and Peers, find us that way. And we, we host quite a few discussions and forums on, on that page. It's quite popular at the moment especially yeah great well Hayley Connor thank you very much for chatting with us today That's okay. 
wish you all the very best with uh, everything going forward. Yes, you too. Brilliant. It's been good chatting. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. And there we have it. Hayley really is a beacon of positivity and doing a lot of great work for our industry around raising its profile. Thank you for all you continue to do. For any feedback or if you'd like to be on the show to tell your story, just search for Hospitality Meets across any of the social channels. Tune in again next week for more stories from hospitality. Have a great week.